that last song has uh, you know, living hope. That really is what, what, what we have to, to look forward to. And, and I think uh, the, first, uh, the first lines of that, of that song really capture what Paul has been talking to us about in the book of Romans. Uh, if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 4, that's where we're looking at. But we sang these words, how great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain we could not climb. And, and really what Paul is talking about in, in the first uh, few chapters of Romans is, is this chasm that is too wide for us to span. This mountain that is too high for us to climb. And, and in Romans chapter 1 verse, verses 18 to, to Romans chapter 3 verse 20, Paul talks about that hopelessness, that, that the lostness of mankind and, and how our sin separates us from God. And, and so he lays, he paints this really bleak picture of our sinfulness in, uh, up until Romans chapter 3, verse 21, and then he sort of turns the corner. And if you remember, we changed the color of the light because something new began to happen in Romans 3, verse 21, when he says, but now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness comes through faith in Christ. Paul says there's something new there's a hope that we have in Christ for this sin problem that mankind has. Then we get to Romans chapter 4. And if you would um, read with me Romans chapter 4, I'll be reading verses 1 through 12. Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham our forefather discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about. Remember, we talked about boasting last week, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages is not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to a man who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says some things when he speaks of the blessedness of the man whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not count against him. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or is it also for the uncircumcised? We've been saying that about Abraham's faith, that it was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after his, he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. And he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised in order that the righteousness might be credited to him. And also the father of the circumcised who 
not only are circumcised, but also who walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Father, as we read these words that you um, inspired Paul to write, Father, would you help us to see the beauty of forgiveness that comes through faith? Open our hearts, open our minds to understand the beauty of the message that you have for us today. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So we've gone through these first three chapters, and, and Paul has been talking about justification and, and making his case. And now all of a sudden here in chapter 4, um, Abraham shows up. Now why, why Abraham? Why Abraham? Why does all of a sudden we see this interest in Abraham and David, two, the two probably greatest men in Jewish history? What brings him to this point? And I think what, what Paul is trying to do here is to answer Jewish objections about this doctrine of justification by faith. Remember, justification, just as if you'd never sinned. It's what we've been talking about. So Paul is making his case to the Jewish listener who believes that it is works-based, not faith-based. And so as we look at Romans chapter 4, and today Paul is trying to address three questions that we'll look at. One is, how was Abraham saved? In verses 1 through 3, and then he, he makes the, the case of, and what difference does Abraham's faith make? And then finally, he addresses this whole thing of what happens to my sin when, when I trust in Christ as my Savior. And so, so we begin with, how was Abraham saved? Well, we know that it wasn't by works because Paul says, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. So what Abraham discovered in this fact, what Paul is saying, is that he had nothing to boast about. Just like all of us have nothing to boast about. Because in the presence of God, none of us is righteous and, and have nothing to, to boast about. And if Abraham had something to boast about, then if Abraham had nothing to boast about, then what about the rest of us? He is the father of the Jewish nation. And so a question that all of us must wrestle with as we look at this is, are my works good enough to save me? And if we're honest, that answer has to be no. But we're taught in the culture that we live in that we have to work hard in order to find respect, to find purpose. Working hard is the answer. Working hard is where we get self-worth and our, our sense of significance. And therefore, I am a performance junkie. I'm a self-proclaimed Hi, my name is Dwayne. I am a performance junkie. 
Because I grew up believing that if I worked hard enough and did enough good things, then somehow I would be accepted. So I must be good because I do. I must be significant because I perform well. I'm okay because I am successful. You fill in the blank, but I am a performance junkie. For many years, I believed that my performance was what would save me. My performance is what would make God be pleased with me. And that is absolutely not true. Because, you see, God isn't impressed with my outward performance. Remember, God looks on the inside. He looks at my heart. He knows what's inside. He sees what's really there. So my works don't work because God's not concerned about, about my appearance. He's, he's concerned about what, what's in my heart. He judges my motives and not just my actions. And when my life is is, is judged by that strict standard of my motives and what's in my heart, then oftentimes I don't look that good. You see, when we become performance junkies, we try to do more and more things to prove that we measure up. And we become addicted to work. We become addicted to, to, to looking good, to dressing right, to acting right. And, and this performance thing doesn't last. Because we have to do more and more and more and, and measure up to, to the people on, uh, beside us and that are ahead of us. And, and we get tired in this process of performing. And our righteousness is completely unrelated with our performance. My righteousness has nothing to do with how well I have performed. You see, our righteousness comes from outside of us. And that's what Abraham discovered. Abraham discovered that, that he had, didn't have enough human resources, enough stuff, enough performance that he could in and of himself please God. See, Abraham's faith did not come by works. Verse 3 says, that Abraham believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham believed it was by faith that Abraham was righteous. Remember the story, and here in, in verse 3, what Paul is doing, he's quoting out of, out of Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, when well, if you remember, uh, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, 
I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham, as any other 85-year-old man would say, was, God, you must be kidding. I am 85 years old. There is no way that I will ever be a father. My wife, Sarah, she's, she's old too. And, and together, this just doesn't make sense. And, and I resonate with Abraham. I'm only 54, and I'm, I would think the same thing. I'm the God, you're kidding me. Then maybe I would cry. I don't know. But, but, but Abraham wasn't impressed. But the Lord says, Abraham, come outside with me. Abraham, look up. Look up at the stars that, that are shining. And, and Abraham, count those stars. And as Abraham was counting those stars, God said, I'm going to make you greater than all of the stars that you see in the sky, Abraham. I'm going to give you more descendants than there are stars in the sky. Now, what does it say that Abraham did? It says, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed and that's what was credited to him as righteousness. That word credited there is a it's a bookkeeping term. It means to credit to one's account. When I go to the bank and I put money in my checking account, it is credited to that account. So how was Abraham saved? He Abraham was saved because he believed God and his faith, it says, was credited into his account. In one glorious moment, Abraham, all of his debt went away and Abraham became a spiritual millionaire. Why? Why did he, why was it credited to him? Why did he become saved? Because he was a good man? Because he was wise? Because, because he was morally strong or, or righteous in himself? No, Abraham was justified for one reason and one reason alone, because he believed. No other reason. He hadn't attained a certain level of spirituality. It says he was saved because of his faith. And it was apart from works of any kind that he was saved. And so for us, that's good news. And what difference does Abraham's faith make for us today? What does it mean for me? And Paul explains the significance of his faith, of, of Abraham's faith, and, and that his salvation, will, uh, it, if salvation is by works, then, then heaven is a reward, not a gift. He says in verse 4, Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. Paul's argument is very simple. He says, look, when you go to work tomorrow morning, you will work 8 or 10 or 12 hours tomorrow, and you'll work all week and put in 40 to 60 hours, and at the end of the week, you'll get a paycheck 
for the work that you did. Now, what would you think if, if when your employer gave you your check on Friday, he would say, here's a gift for you? He would say, ah, no, I earned that. You owe that to me. And what Paul is saying here is, look, if, 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 if our salvation is workspace, then God owes me. He owes me heaven because I worked really hard for it. And what Paul says is, no, he says, it is not works because if it's works, then it's not a gift. It's an obligation. It's not a gift. If you have to work for it, it's not a gift. And that's what Paul is arguing here in Romans chapter 4. Your righteousness is not by works. Your righteousness is a free gift that you receive. You don't work hard to get to heaven. And I believe we, as performance junkies, when we grow up in that kind of, a, of an environment, we always want to revert back to working hard to please God. Some of you have never experienced the beauty of the righteousness of Christ because you're still trying to earn your way to heaven. Paul says, no, this is a free gift that I'm talking about here. Paul says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10, he says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift from God. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. We have been, we have been saved from sin to please God, to serve Christ, to be like Christ, this doesn't mean, you know, Keller says it well in the book, that, that the Romans book. He says, Christians, a Christian is, is one who stops working to be saved, not one who stops working. A Christian is one who, who stops working to be saved, but not stops working. In other words, when I receive Christ, when I am clothed in righteousness, I begin to do the things that God calls me to do. Then Paul says in Rome, in verse 5, he says, to the man who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. It, salvation comes to those who believe. And he says, God even saves the wicked, you know, and we are all. When, when Christ comes and, 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 and saves us, we're all wicked. And we haven't attained some level of, of spirituality, and then he saves us. God never says, clean up your act, and then I will save you. He says something completely different. He says, I'll save you even while you are living in your sin. God says, while you are sinful, 
I'll give you the righteousness of Christ. And that is the miracle of justification. That that a loving God would save me in the midst of my sinfulness, would reach down and touch me and make me clean. And not only does he save us, but, but in that process, then he begins this, this inner process of cleansing us. And, but he cleanses us from the inside out. He saves us first, then he cleans us up. Justification is just as if you'd never sinned. That day when he reached down and my sins were taken away, that's justification. And he did it while I was a sinner. And then once I am saved, I begin this journey of sanctification where he begins to clean me up. But it's from the inside out, not the outside in. I am first clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Let me show you an example. This is the righteousness of Christ. This is Christ clothed in righteousness. This is me before I am saved. And and when God looks down and he sees me, he sees my sin. He sees all of this. He sees the motives. He, He knows everything about me. And so when he sees me, he sees me as a sinful person who has no place in his presence. While I am sinful, he reaches down, and through Christ, when I receive Christ, I am clothed in his righteousness. And at that moment, then when I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ, my sin is no longer seen by God, but he sees me through Christ, and I am clean. That is justification. Too many of us try to work really hard over here, and some of you may still be working really hard over here trying to earn God's favor when what you need is you need Jesus to cover your sins. And parents, here's where we need to be really careful that that we don't invite our children into a relationship with Jesus so that they can go to heaven where we make sure that they understand the need for Jesus comes because of our sinfulness. Heaven is a result of a relationship with Christ, but is ultimately it is our need for a Savior because of our sinfulness that we invite people into a relationship with Christ. And what happens to my sin when I trust Christ is what, is what Paul addresses in verses 6 through 8 where, where he brings in David, the great king who, who had committed adultery. And, and, and what, what, what Paul is quoting here is out of Psalm 32. I remember after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, he first tried to deny that sin, to make it go away. And, and then, then Scripture says that he was so miserable that, that he said, my bones were wasting away. I was in agony because of my sin, because he tried to cover it up. 
But then David says this, and, 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 and Paul quotes him in verse 7. He says, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. David experienced the same thing that Abraham experienced. He experienced forgiveness that was free. That he did nothing to, to, to earn, but he was given because of the love of God. He was made righteous because God loved him. Not because of anything that he did. Paul tells us three things happen here. When we, when we are forgiven, he said, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. In other words, they're sent away. That word forgiven means sent away. My sins are sent away the moment that I am clothed with Christ. They're sent away. Not only does Paul say they're sent away, but he says they are covered. Whose sins are covered. Are you living here or are you living here? There's a huge difference. Because when you're living here, you will never get to the righteousness that comes from Christ. You'll work hard and you'll get tired, but you'll never, ever get to a place where you're good enough. What I have to understand is that the moment that I recognize my sinfulness, I invite Christ to be my Savior. My sins are forgiven, they're covered, and then he says, they will not count against you. In verse, the last part of verse 7, blessed is the man whose sin the Lord never counts against him. My sins go away. That word Count also is the same as that word credited was that we looked at a little bit ago. And in this context, it means that once I trust Christ, my sin is never accounted against me ever again. In fact, God will not credit my sin to my account because of Christ. Because now my sin is credited to Christ's account and Christ's righteousness is credited to my account. I am made clean. I am made new. I am justified. And there's nothing that I did to earn that. It was a completely free gift. So I guess what I'd love to, for you to understand this morning, you can never earn it. You can never work hard enough or do enough good To earn the righteousness that comes from Christ. It is an absolutely free gift that is there for everyone. Everyone that is who believes. Because Abraham, and Paul's point here is that Abraham was made righteous because he believed. Like Abraham, our sins can be forgiven, totally removed, totally covered, totally gone. 
and as you think about yourself, can you say with Abraham and with David that your sins are gone? Is that your testimony? The bottom line is, is, is this your story and your testimony? Or is this your story and your testimony? Have you experienced the righteousness of Christ in your life? And are you on a journey of sanctification? It's a question every one of us needs to answer as we think about our own faith and who we are. Have you truly believed? Let's pray. Father, these words that we see are, are words of incredible hope, words of, of, of incredible promise, that, that, that our faith is not by works. Our faith is not by the good things we've done. Our faith comes by believing. And that chasm that we sang about, Lord, is, is, is that span is, it is through Christ that we can cross that chasm and climb that mountain. And I pray, Lord, for everyone here that that they would receive and experience the truth that comes through knowing Jesus Christ and that they that we could all be clothed in the righteousness that comes from believing it's in Jesus name that i pray amen